Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we are going to talk about sleep problems in aging. Lots and lots of older adults experience difficulties with sleep and would like to sleep better. And many resort to using some type of either over-the-counter medication for sleep, which they can buy on their own, or it's also quite common for them to be prescribed a prescription sedative. And this often happens before they've had a really good, careful, thorough evaluation to figure out why they aren't sleeping well. So the prescription sedatives and the -the over-the-counter ones are a problem because virtually all sedatives dampen brain function and increase fall risk. So this is an approach to treating sleep problems that we only want to use as a last resort and preferably not long-term. So how can you improve your sleep if you're older or an older relative's sleep, if not with sedatives? Well, first, what you absolutely have to do is figure out why an older person is having sleep difficulties. So this is kind of at the heart of thoughtful, careful management of any problem for an older person or uh, any person who's facing health problems is to first really understand what is causing the problem and then you can create a safer and more effective solution. And it turns out that when it comes to sleep difficulties, it is often possible to improve a person's sleep without sedatives. So my goal for this episode is to help you better understand why older adults develop sleep problems and the common causes and how you can go about getting that kind of careful evaluation. Here's what I'm going to cover in particular. So first, I'm going to briefly review what we know about how sleep changes with normal aging, quote unquote. And then I'm going to cover the five most common causes of sleep problems in older adults. And then in the last part of the episode, I'll explain what you can do if you're concerned about sleep problems. And I'll share a list of questions that doctors often use to first evaluate sleep problems. And those are questions that you can start by asking yourself or your relative, and then you can discuss the questions and the answers with the doctor to get started on that process of really identifying what's causing the sleep problems. Let's get started. How does sleep change with aging? So this is an area of active ongoing research, and here is what experts believe so far. So first of all, it does seem that total sleep time decreases as we get older. And one study concluded that it decreases by about 30 minutes per decade, starting in midlife. Sleep also, as people get older, becomes lighter and more fragmented. So there's something called sleep architecture, which is basically the different stages that of sleep that the brain experiences. And so they've sort of defined in younger people 
that there are these different stages of sleep, including REM sleep, and that people tend to, to start in a certain stage and then progress to another one. And what they found is that that sleep architecture changes a bit as people age. And basically, people end up spending less time in REM sleep. And they also end up waking up a little bit more often. Another change that has definitely been noted as people get older is that the body's inner circadian rhythm changes. So the circadian rhythm is basically a daily pattern that affects most processes within the body. It's basically the kind of day-night clock inside that aligns your body's processes with the daytime and nighttime outside. It's regulated by certain parts of the brain and also by certain hormones, including melatonin, and it's strongly influenced by exposure to daylight. So as people age, many of them seem to advance the phase of their circadian rhythm, meaning they get sleepy earlier in the day, and they also wake up earlier. Um, and then experts also believe that the rhythm signal within the body often seems to get weaker as people age, so there's a little bit less of a clear signal organizing the body's processes to be in sync with each other and with the day, or that signal might need stronger simulation from daylight and other signals to sort of remain um, strong and clear. In short, it's normal and common for one to sleep a little less and less deeply as one ages. And this decrease in nighttime sleep is associated with some increased sleepiness during the day and increased napping. So I think it's fairly common. Many of us have noticed that older people seem to wake up earlier and get sleepy earlier and take more naps. And that's partly because it's associated with these changes that have been observed in how people's bodies and brains manage sleep as they get older. But even though it does seem to be common and normal to sleep a little less and less deeply as one gets older, experts still believe that the vast majority of sleep problems reported by older adults are related to either a physical health problem, a mental health problem, or a medication effect. So again, if an older person complains of poor sleep, you never want to assume that it's just getting old, even though some of those age-related changes may be playing a little part in it, especially um, might be affecting people's expectation of how they should be sleeping. You always want to investigate further as it's often possible to improve an older person's sleep once we correctly identify the underlying problems. So now, what are the most common causes of sleep problems in older adults? Probably the most common cause of sleep problems is sleep difficulties due to an underlying medical problem and or medication side effect. These are called secondary sleep problems because they're secondary to an underlying medical condition whose main symptom is not sleep-related. Some common health conditions that can disrupt sleep in older adults include heart and lung problems that affect breathing, such as heart failure and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Both of these conditions are associated with shortness of breath that sometimes gets worse when people are lying down. Another category of problems are problems related to the stomach and esophagus, such as gastroesophageal reflux disease, sometimes called GERD, which can cause heartburn symptoms and can be affected by big meals uh, late at night. Any condition causing pain, including osteoarthritis, can disrupt sleep because if people are in pain or uncomfortable, they'll find it harder to sleep. 
Urinary problems are another common cause of sleep difficulties because many of them cause people to need to pee during the night. This can be caused by an enlarged prostate, which is very common in men as they get older, or by an overactive bladder. Now, so far I've described what we might say are physical health problems that can affect sleep, but sleep is also often affected by problems that are more centered in the brain. So mood disorders, such as depression or anxiety, can certainly affect sleep, and difficulty sleeping is a known symptom of depression. And then there are also neurodegenerative disorders, so problems that affect the cells within the brain and cause them to degenerate, so notably Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, other forms of dementia are all known to be associated with sleep difficulties, and part of that is probably because that whole system affecting sleep and circadian rhythms gets affected by the changes in the brain. And then there are medication side effects. Lots and lots of medications can affect sleep or impair sleep. A certain number of medications are stimulating in a certain way. So for instance, the medications that people might take as a decongestant, are uh, some of them are related to amphetamines, and so they can activate or stimulate the body and the brain. Certain antidepressants are also stimulating and may worsen sleep, especially if they're taken later in the day. Diuretic medications, which are often taken uh, to control blood pressure or sometimes for heart failure or kidney disease, can make urination worse. And so if you have any uh, urinary difficulties or incontinence, those medications can make it worse and that can affect sleep. Again, part of this depends on when the medication is taken in the day and relative to when one sleeps. So medications often do play a role in sleep difficulties. And so it can help to talk to the doctor or pharmacist about one's medications to see if any of them might be prompting or worsening sleep difficulties and if there might be a way to adjust them. Now, alcohol is not a medication, but I'm still going to briefly mention it. It's another substance that people put into their bodies. And even though it does initially make people sleepy, it does interfere with normal sleep architecture and is associated with waking up later during the night. So that's another thing to keep in mind if one is concerned about sleep problems and is trying to identify the underlying issues that might be worsening sleep or creating sleep problems. And so again, all those things I mentioned are causes of secondary sleep problems. So now let's cover some causes of primary sleep problems. So these mean uh, health conditions where one of the main symptoms is sleep-related. Probably the most important major category of these is what's called sleep-related breathing disorders. This includes sleep apnea and other problems related to snoring or difficulty breathing during the night. And so sleep-related breathing disorders, that term is an umbrella term that covers this whole spectrum of problems related to how people breathe while asleep. Sleep apnea is common, and it's important to diagnose it because it has been associated with many other health problems, especially in middle-aged adults. In sleep apnea, a person has frequent pauses in their breathing during sleep. They may or may not wake up and become aware of those pauses. The most common form of sleep apnea is obstructive sleep apnea. And in that case, the breathing pauses are due to obstruction in the breathing passages. And that's often associated with snoring. 
Now, there's a less common form of sleep apnea called central sleep apnea, in which the breathing pauses are related to changes in the brain. And we actually do see this sometimes in people who are older, uh, quite a bit older, or have dementia, or are at, uh, sometimes we see it in people who are near the end of their lives, these pauses as they're sleeping, and they're actually not related to a difficulty in the breathing passages. They're sort of being generated or caused by an issue happening deeper in the brain. So how common are these sleep-related breathing disorders? So they, they are quite common, and actually the likelihood goes up with age. It does tend to be more common in men and in people who are overweight. And in fact, in one study of 827 healthy older adults, they found that 53% of them had signs of sleep-related breathing disorders, and 37% of them met criteria for significant sleep apnea. And what was interesting about this study is that most participants did not complain of excess sleepiness. So they didn't know often that they didn't necessarily know that they had one of these sleep-related breathing disorders. This is concerning in that there's been a lot of research, especially on untreated obstructive sleep apnea, and it's been associated with poor health outcomes, such as stroke and heart disease and heart failure. On the other hand, before you get too alarmed about it, studies also actually suggest that these associations between sleep apnea and bad health outcomes are strongest in people who are aged 40 to 70. And then it actually seems to get weaker in older adults. So if you think that you or somebody, another, an older person in your life might have obstructive sleep apnea or another sleep-related breathing disorder, you should certainly try to get it followed up. Treatment can reduce daytime sleepiness and can improve quality of life. But just bear in mind that the research right now suggests that this problem might be perhaps a little less dangerous as people get older than in people who are middle-aged. If you want to learn more about sleep apnea, I will link in the show notes to a nice page from the website helpguide.org. They have a useful seven-item questionnaire to help you determine how likely it is that symptoms you may have noticed might be sleep apnea. And then generally to be definitively diagnosed, you need to pursue a sleep test in a sleep lab or with a home sleep testing kit. Now let's move on to another common cause of sleep problems in older adults. And this is restless leg syndrome. It's a condition which causes the feeling of itching, crawling, or restlessness as a person is trying to fall asleep. And the symptoms are unpleasant, but usually it's not painful. And usually it gets better when people move. The exact underpinnings in the body and in biology of this problem are still being sorted out, but it seems to be related to dopamine and iron levels in the brain. And interestingly, they don't think it's related to neurodegeneration. So they don't think it's related to a problem like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease, although I suppose you could have both at the same time. Now, how common is this? So studies suggest that 5 to 15% of the general population meet criteria for this condition, but only about 3% of people are thought to have clinically severe symptoms. It is more common as people get older, if they're in poor health, and if they have low iron levels. Also is more common in women than men and does tend to run in families. It's been associated with depression, anxiety, and also um, sleep onset insomnia, so difficulty falling asleep, and can get worse with certain types of medication. If you're interested in learning more about this, I will have a link 
to a resource online that you can find on the show notes page. And now I'm going to mention a related condition, which is quite common, even though it doesn't usually cause significant sleep difficulties, and that is called periodic limb movements of sleep. This basically refers to the way people have intermittent movements while asleep, usually in the lower legs, can affect the toes, ankles, knees, or hips, and these movements may or may not wake the person up, and often they're quite annoying to a bed partner. Studies estimate that perhaps 45% of older adults experience these periodic limb movements of sleep, and many of them are otherwise healthy. But these periodic limb movements are often associated with other sleep problems, such as restless leg syndrome and sleep apnea. When I read about this, what I found out was that experts believe it's fairly rare for people to have clinically significant sleep problems only due to the periodic limb movements of sleep. So is this an important sleep problem? I bring it up mostly because it's fairly common. You may have noticed it in yourself or in a bed um, partner, but as far as we know, it's not, as long as you aren't experiencing other symptoms, it's probably not dangerous or a problem. It's not clear uh, how easy it is to treat it if it's isolated periodic limb movements of sleep. And in a 2012 guideline on treating restless leg syndrome and periodic limb movements of sleep, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine concluded that there was insufficient evidence to recommend pharmacological treatment. So this might be a situation where you might want to be careful about using sedatives for this condition because it's not clear that, that they work or that they improve outcomes. And now we're going to talk about what is perhaps the granddaddy of sleep problems, which is insomnia. So insomnia means having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep despite the opportunity to do so, meaning you're in bed, and experiencing decreased daytime function because of this. Now, as I was saying earlier, lots and lots of sleep problems in older adults are actually due to another underlying physical health problem or mental health problem. And so in this case, we would say that the insomnia is secondary insomnia. It's secondary to this other problem. However, a certain number of people have primary insomnia, meaning that they don't have a physical health problem keeping them from falling asleep, and they don't have clinically significant depression or anxiety or neurodegenerative disease. They just are having difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep, and it's affecting their daytime function. If you've ever experienced insomnia, and many of you probably have, I certainly have had periods of my life when I've been plagued by insomnia, uh, you'll know that it is really, really hard on people and tends to really diminish quality of life. People find it very frustrating to not be able to fall asleep. It's been associated with anxiety, depression, fatigue, and also has been uh, associated with cognitive decline. Although there, the connection is, it's really unclear that it's causal because we also know that when people are developing Alzheimer's or another degenerative uh, disease of the brain, that the brain changes often start 10 years before they develop noticeable symptoms in their memory and thinking. And so it's hard to know whether some of that insomnia is because of the underlying brain changes versus the cognitive decline accelerating because people have insomnia. So the important take-home point is that a lot of insomnia occurs in people who are otherwise healthy and have normal brains, and it's often a difficult condition to deal with. So what should you do if you're concerned about insomnia? Well, the main thing to do is to assess the problem carefully, and there are a couple 
important steps to doing this. The first one is to track sleep and keep a sleep journal. I cannot tell you how many people come to used to come and see me in the office when I was a primary care doctor and tell me they were having difficulty sleeping. And when I would say, well, how often do you have difficulty sleeping? How much are you sleeping at night? They really didn't know. They just knew that they weren't sleeping well and that they were unhappy about it. So a sleep journal and a sleep tracker goes a long, long way to helping doctors sort out what might be going on. And that is key to them helping you in a way that's effective and safer. So I do highly recommend if you're concerned about sleep problems that you start by tracking your sleep. And nowadays, it's actually become much easier to do that because of these risk-based activity monitors such as Fitbits, which will track your sleep also, although they're not always uh, perfect. You have to kind of take a look at what it's doing and make sure that it correctly picked the time when you fell asleep and when you woke up, because in my experience, at least the Fitbit that I wear, can't tell whether I'm in bed reading or in bed asleep. So tracking your sleep is important. And then the other thing that I want to share with you to do is a series of questions that you can start considering and ask yourself, or if you're concerned about the sleep of an older person, an older parent, or an older relative that you're taking care of, you can start to think about these questions yourself. And these questions that I'm sharing come from a very nice comprehensive article, which is actually freely available in PubMed Central. So you can read the whole article online. I will post a link to it in the show notes. It's called Evidence-Based Recommendations for the Assessment and Management of Sleep Disorders in Older Persons. And it was written by a group of clinicians with experience in managing sleep problems in older adults. So this is an article that is peer-reviewed and it is written for other clinicians and health professionals, but there's a nice section in it that's called General Approach to Detecting Sleep Disorders in an Ambulatory Setting. Ambulatory Setting means in primary care in the outpatient setting. And they recommend 22 questions that clinicians should ask older people when they complain of sleep problems. So these include questions such as, what time do you normally go to bed at night? What time do you normally wake up in the morning? Do you often have trouble falling asleep at night? About how many times you wake up at night? If you do wake up during the night, do you usually have trouble falling back asleep? Does your bed partner say or are you aware that you frequently snore, gasp for air, or stop breathing? Does your bed partner say or are you aware that you kick or thrash while sleeping? Are you aware that you ever walk, eat, punch, kick, or scream during sleep? Are you sleepy or tired during much of the day? Do you usually take one or more naps during the day? Do you usually doze off without planning to during the day? How much sleep do you need to feel alert and function well? And there are another 10 questions to further help the clinician and patient together assess the sleep problem and what might be the underlying cause. And if you go through these questions with a clinician, and also um, if you can bring in some uh, information about your actual sleep patterns, then from that, the clinician should be able to place the sleep difficulties in one or more of the following four categories. And those are one, difficulty falling or staying asleep, two, excessive daytime sleepiness, three, abnormal breathing patterns during sleep, and then four, abnormal movements or behaviors during sleep. And then sometimes additional testing might be necessary, such as a sleep breathing study to evaluate sleep apnea. 
So then based on the category of sleep problem and the underlying causes that have been identified, the doctor will be in a better place to work with you to propose a plan um, either for further evaluation or a plan to try to treat and reduce those sleep difficulties. Now, what are the best ways to treat insomnia and other sleep difficulties in older adults? That is a topic that I'm going to cover in the next episode, which will be a follow-up to this one. And in that one, we'll also talk a bit about approaches that have been used to treat sleep difficulties in people with Alzheimer's and other dementias, as that's a special category that's often very challenging for families and creates a lot of concern. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. And I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.